You are now listening to the London International Christian Church Podcast. Zeal for the campus! Amen? Turn to Acts chapter 19. In verse 8 it says, Paul entered the synagogue and spoke boldly there for three months, arguing persuasively about the kingdom of God. But some of them became obstinate. They refused to believe and publicly maligned the way. So Paul left them. He took the disciples with him and had daily discussions in the lecture hall of Tyrannus. This went on for two years so that all the Jews and Greeks who lived in the province of Asia heard the word of the Lord. That was the impact of campus ministry in the province of Asia, the western side of Turkey in that day. In just two years' time, everybody had heard of Jesus Christ and his movement. Amen, guys? You know, it's very interesting. For Jesus to evangelize... What we call Israel, or Judea and Israel, he chose unschooled and ordinary men. And yet to evangelize the world, he chose one of the most learned and gifted men of all time, Paul, whom we call Paul the Apostle. You know, if we're going to get to the whole world... We're going to have to go to the campus and find some of the most gifted minds of our time to communicate the gospel to all nations. Amen, guys? Today, we're we're very, very privileged to be able to hear from five awesome disciples. First of all, uh, Charles here from the Great London Church. graduated top of his class from Middlesex University. It's just baptized last year. He's going to be speaking on zeal for academics. And that is a way to shine our light. Amen, guys? Then, uh, we're very privileged to uh, have uh, the newlyweds, uh, Anthony and Cassidy Olmos, campus to the South Region, and come this December, they're going to be the new South Region leaders in the City of Angels Church. And interesting background right here, Anthony is a kingdom kid. <laughs> He's baptized at 13 in the year 2000, and sadly with all that happened, he, he fell away. But uh, he came back to the Lord, amen guys? And as he came back to the Lord, he brought his girlfriend, Cassidy, back. And she was baptized in 2011. And this is a very powerful couple. And they're going to be speaking on zeal without knowledge. What is, what is true zeal about? Come on. And then, um, of course, greatly beloved, even beyond the borders of England, is Kia Pope. What more more can we say about this sister? I mean, she preaches, she sings, she does everything. And, of course, now she ministers to Middlesex University. But she's going to be speaking on zeal for fasting and prayer. And then, finally, to kind of, you know, bring it on home... 
is our brother Yurich. And uh, he was baptized at the end of 2010 in Los Angeles in the Orange County region. And of course, uh, his uh, intellectual accomplishments are well, well established. I mean, cranking university over here in England while he's going to school in Germany. But, but more than that, he's distinguished himself as a disciple of Jesus. And he is going to be speaking on a zealous vision for the campus. Let's open up with a word of prayer. And then we'll hear from each of these great brothers and sisters. Let's pray together. Our Father God, we come before you today as men and women who want to have a greater vision for the campuses around the world. Father, we saw that you chose a, a, a man who was in some ways without peers in his day that was learned in the law as well as in the things of men. Heavenly Father, we pray that we can raise up more and more Pauls and Paulinas off of our campuses, Heavenly Father, that literally can go into all nations. Thank you so much for each of the brothers and sisters that, that have willingly prepared these lessons. I pray that your spirit will fall upon them and that they will preach the word and that we will hear your voice and decisions will be made today. Father, thank you for this session. We dedicate it to you. It's the name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. Hello, church. Hello, campus. It's something we do in London. I can't be London disciples know it. I got one you guys to join. Camp! 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 My name is Charles Mumbleson. I'm 21 years old. I like keep what he said. I'm, I graduated from Middlesex University with a law degree. Amen. And in my law degree, I got um, a double first class honors. What does this mean? It means I did eight subjects and I got eight first class. So absolutely was God's, to God's glory. Amen. But um, last year also, I got a valedictorian in my last year of the um, university. And last year, we also had a SWAG society. That's a disciple society of students who apply God on campus. And we got um, one of the best newcomers yes. on campus. Um, last year, I also applied for Oxford. But I didn't get a place in it. But by faith this year, I'll make a place in Oxford. Come on. Uh, and with this, let us have our Bible study. All right. Because that's is chapter 9. The title of my lesson today is Zeal for Academic Excellence. What is zeal? Zeal is great energy, enthusiasm, in pursuit of a cause, an objective, or your academics. I got three points today for, you, for us. Becoming an academic zealot for God. What is an academic zealot? It's one who is zealous, a fanatically committed person for his academics. Ecclesiastes chapter 9. I'll read from verse 10. Whatever your hands find to do, do it all your might. For in the grave, where you are going, there is neither walking, nor planning, nor knowledge, nor wisdom. Amen. This is an incredible passage. It says, whatever you find to do, do it with zeal. Do it with your might. For the place you're going to, there is no classes. Nah. There's no chemistry classes. There's no physics classes. There's no law classes. So when I, that God is giving you education, you have to do it with all your might, yeah. all your power, yes. to glorify God. Yes. Because where you're going in the realm of the dead, 
there is no education. You got to enjoy the education God is giving you. You got to put your minds, your power, you got to have zeal for your education, for your academics, for having academic excellence, for the fact that when it's all done, there will be no classes. <laughs> now you say, we say, hey, we know we got to seek our education, we got to put our education, we got to put might in our education. That's right. Absolutely. Because it's a way to glorify God. Yeah. My second point is what should be your motivation? Mm. I will tell you. Come on. Let's turn to Colossians 3. Watch out. Colossians 3. I'll read from verse 23. Yeah, with me. Go eat popcorn. <laughs> 23. Um, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart. Yes. As working for the Lord. Amen. Your motivation for your education should be that you're working for God. Yes. You're going to classes for God. Yeah. You're studying because of God. Now let's continue. Not for men, not for your teacher. Not for that boring lecturer. Nah. <laughs> it's for God you're working for. It's for God you should have your seal. Read on. Since you know that you receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you serve. Now we find a second motivation. You receive an inheritance for being zealous in your academics. You receive an inheritance for being zealous, for putting your whole mind, your whole heart, your soul into your academics, into glorifying God. The motivation is twofold. You got to be zealous for your academics. Because you're working for God. You're going, you're studying for God. Amen. You don't roll into the class 9.30. Sometimes I do. Amen. Confession. Slight confession. Man. You do it like you're serving God. Like God is one teacher. You're prepared. You give your mind. You give your whole time to your education because you're serving God. That's your motivation. And also God gives you an inheritance. For being zealous for him in your academics. Amen. You get a reward for being zealous in your academics. The question is, are you zealous for your academics? Are you zealous for God in your academics? Are you pursuing your education for God? Knowing that this is the way you can glorify God. Disciples, we are a people of God. Amen. We cannot be failing our exams. We can't be failing the test. We have the Holy Spirit in us. In us, we have the Spirit of God. We have the most powerful being in us. The one that resurrected Christ from the dead. Gives us the power to start. Absolutely. So where is your soul for your academics? Are you zealous for God? in your academics we have to be zealous for God in our academics uh, I got to share an example um, the thing about zeal is um, if you don't have zeal for your academics if you're not getting those grades how can you show an example to the people, to the world because I get people like we've studied the Bible, I'm like no, no 
I want to study. I want to study hard for my education. I might fail. I might do well. So look, can I share something? Um, second year I got for first class. Third year I got for first class. Why becoming a disciple? So what excuse do you have, my brother? What excuse do you have? See, if you have zeal for your academics, you can show an example to those people that are lost. Yeah. That you can study the Bible. You also get first in education. My third point, guys, is approach your teacher for help. Approach the greatest teacher for help. The teacher in your life for help. Each and every single one of you has the greatest teacher. This teacher will give you the zeal that you need for your academics. Each and every single one in campus has the greatest teacher. Who is that teacher? I'm glad you guys want to know. Job. Job. Job 36. Let's go to Job 36. Man, he suffered a little bit. Job 36. You guys want to know the teacher? Yes. 22. God is exalted in his power. Who is a teacher like him? God is the greatest teacher. And he's your father. That's right. You have the greatest teacher every day by your side. Ask me a question. Amongst these many, many formulas, amongst God's greatest equations is, I'll read you one. One of his greatest uh, formulas, equations is, a rib separated from a man equal to, equal to a woman. You get it? A rib subtracted from a, from a man equal to a woman. The creation. Yeah, <laughs> Second equation. If you add breath, the breath of God to dust, it gives you a man. You have the greatest teacher by your side. Ask some questions. Pray to God. That's my practical. Pray to God. Before I became a disciple, I never knew that I could pray. To, you could pray to God and, become, and study. I'm like, what? You can pray to God? What? You pray to God, asking for help. He's the greatest teacher. He'll make that boring lecture interesting. Absolutely. He will. He, he will, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, up. he's the greatest teacher that you can ever have. I'm going to share a real example. Um, Last year, uh, my last year of uni, I finished my education, I'd written my whole exams. So everything was done. My results were not yet out. So I was sitting down and I said, you know what? I want to get four first class in this, in this four subjects. So I said, what can I do? I've done the exam, so there's nothing else but to pray. So I prayed to God. Hey, God, please, I want to get four first class. I want to show an example of this. So the day the results came out, I didn't check my results out. So um, the lecturer... He sends me an email and says, hey, Charles, I'm sure you're disappointed. You got a 2-1 in one of the subjects, and you got three first class in another subject, in other subjects. I didn't check my results. And he said, you know what? After reviewing your subject, we're going to bump you to a first class. Wow. There is power in prayer. Yes. Through prayer, you can have zeal for your academics. Yes. My challenge, my practical, is you study hard. Pray to God. Have zeal for your academics. To God be the glory. I, I like to remind Kib that we have 15 minutes, not the normal lot of time that everybody else does.
It's an incredible honor and privilege uh, to preach to the most zealous, fired up part of the entire church here in London and throughout Europe. Like Kip said, my name's Anthony Olmos. This is my beautiful and amazing, spiritual, smart, better than me in every way, wife, Cassidy. Don't call her my girlfriend. She's my wife, Cassidy Olmos. And uh, I'd like to, in a special way, thank the London Church for helping us out in so many ways. To thank Michael and Michelle, who are in the other room. Uh, to the McKeans, who helped us, and our spiritual parents in the faith, uh, the Kernans. It's, it's an incredible honor to be before you today. Today we're preaching on zeal without knowledge. As uh, my Russian brother Oleg likes to say, you must have a zealness. Because you can have zeal, but then there's zealness. But it's not good to have that zealness without knowledge. Turn over to Proverbs chapter 19, verse 2. Let's jump into it. It says... It is not good to have zeal without knowledge. We could stop right there. Okay. We could just call that a lesson, but we'll go on. We'll go on. The word knowledge right here comes from yada. It's kind of like Yoda in, uh, in Hebrew. And it's used several other times in the Old Testament. And one of the times it's used as truth. So we can equate this to, it is not good to have zeal without knowledge of the truth. Where's the truth at? It's the Bible. Your zeal should be based on the Bible. The next part says, nor to be hasty and miss the way. When your zeal is not based on the Bible, you're probably an emotional person. All all the campus, oh yes. Everybody's uh, light bulb just lit up right there. And, And it's almost prophetic in this scripture. It says, you'll miss the way. What did they call the first century church? The way. If you're an emotional person... If you're not rooted in the word of God, you will miss the way. Romans chapter 10. You guys with me? You still zealous? I'm running on jet lag. You guys have no excuse. Romans chapter 10. Okay. Starting in verse 1. Brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God for the Israelites is that they may be saved. Paul says, I want my people to be saved. For I can testify about them that they are zealous for God. But their zeal is not based on knowledge. What was their zeal based on? Since they did not know the righteousness that came from God and sought to establish their own. They didn't know God's righteousness, so they started doing their own thing. They did not submit to God's righteousness. Christ is the end of the law, so that there may be righteousness for everyone who believes. A zeal not based on knowledge is not good. And right here, they didn't know the righteousness of God because they didn't know God. How do you get to know somebody? You got to spend time with them. Your zeal should come from the Bible and a deep relationship with God. Or you too, like these people. And like we've seen... In our church, these past couple of months, people will turn and do their own thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They will turn to their own wickedness yep. and deceive many people. Yeah. So really the title can be, Zeal That Does Not Come 
from a relationship with God. And why are me and Cassidy talking about this today? Well, in a real way, we went to Paris and we did not have a zeal based on knowledge. We did not have a zeal based on our relationships with God. And I, I want to say before you, I failed more than I ever failed in my entire life on that mission team. But I never learned more. Why did I fail? Because my zeal was based on my talent, not on the word of God. You say, ooh, because some of you are doing the same thing. And you laugh because you're doing the same thing too. My zeal was based on selfish ambition, on insecurity, on pride. It all was rooted in me, not on God. And I'll tell you guys something I learned. Misguided zeal plus a plane ticket to a mission team will get you some culture shock and six months of depression. That's what happens. What is your zeal based on this morning? There's a, there's a picture that just came into your mind. What is it? Is it the Word of God? Is it your quiet time from this morning? If it's not, you really got to check where you're at. My zeal quickly turned to bitterness because I wasn't rooted in God. And that bitterness towards people that I thought, okay, it's okay. I'm, I'm bitter at this guy, at this girl. I'm bitter at situations. God, you know I love you. I realized I was bitter at God. I didn't trust the people in my life and I didn't trust Him. I had this grandeur vision of myself. I'm going to go to Paris. We're going to baptize like a thousand people in one week. I'm going to be appointed evangelist. This is going to be the most incredible time ever. We, we stopped growing. The Kernans got uh, taken out because of the visa situation. I stopped engaging sin. And, and in a real way, I was giving advice and then just sitting back and watching people fail. Because I was bitter. Why did it happen? I was still reading my Bible. I was still praying. I was still going through the motions. But like I said, I needed to have a deep relationship with God to lead me to zeal. Now we got around to repentance. And I'll get to that. I want to give some time for my beautiful wife to share right now. talking to the sisters uh like much of what anthony said we went to paris and we thought it was going to be awesome we're going to baptize a million people in a week he said thousand i say million but it's just much like my husband i was basing everything off of my my talent off of being a fashionista yeah i'm gonna fit in i'm gonna make many friends but that's not how it went i had many struggles and Some of them were not seeking advice or obeying my leaders. I just got bitter. Uh, I wanted control. Like, man, they're not doing it right. I can do it better. Uh, Selfishness. The me disease. Like, God, why can't I do this? God, why can't I meet somebody? God, why aren't I great in learning the language? My pride was just deeply rooted within me. And really, it came down to not having a relationship with God. My relationship with God was even selfish because I wasn't applying the word to my character. And I wasn't applying it to going out and living like a disciple, what God really called us, called me to be. Uh, So all of these things that I did on my strength, which led me to not have zeal and not having knowledge because I wasn't obeying God. 
And so I was thinking, I'll go, what really as women hinders us from get, receiving a zeal with knowledge from God? So I'm going to tell you. Come on, That's the secret. So the first thing that really comes to mind is control. I don't know about you, sisters, but when I don't have control, I start getting fearful. I'm like, oh, no, that sister's going to do it wrong. That brother's going to do it wrong. And there's a great equation for it. Control equals fear equals anger. When we're not in control, we get fearful that it's not going to go the way that we think is right. And then the fear just comes in. And then that fear turns to anger and bitterness. And so I talk about this a lot because it's in our nature to feel this way. And so I think about it. How are you leading with your brothers who are leading you to heaven? Even if you're not leading, how are you in the Bible talk, in the ministry? Because for me, I could definitely, I'm reminded every single day, like it was yesterday, with Tim and Leanne, and we're just walking through a park. And I'm like, I hate Anthony's leadership. I think he's doing a horrible job. This control, this fear, this relationship not with God was hindering me from lifting my brother up. Oh, wait a second. But it, if you think about it, how are you really believing in the brothers who are here in this room or outside of this country? I wasn't believing in Anthony. And Tim just looked at me and he goes, Sis, that's wicked. He's an awesome brother. And I'm like, well, I think differently. Because my pride, it was just there. And, and it's like, if you think about it, you may not say these things out loud to the brother you're leading with or you're in their ministry, that critical heart, but God sees it. He knows. Yeah. And what happens is, if you don't believe in these brothers, you're not going to date, you're not going to see them grow, and you're not going to see the ways that God can use them in your life. And one thing Anthony did do was he believed in me and he trusted in God that I can change. So sisters, really think about what type of woman are you? Are you a woman that these brothers are like, that sister gets it done, I can trust in her, I believe in her? Or are you the sister who they're like, I don't know about her. She's she's really not cranking right now. It's a little emotional. Yeah, it's emotional. <laughs> so really go after that, believing in the brothers that God has entrusted them. And I think of a great scripture in 1 Peter 3, 6. It says, we are Sarah's daughters if we do not give way to fear. Yep. When we don't give way to fear, this leads us to a gentle and quiet spirit. Yep. We could have zeal, but with a gentleness about us. Amen. This gentle and quiet spirit will lead us to submission. Awesome word. Yeah. Love it. Cherish it. Submission is great when you're in the word of God. And you really go to heart with the men who are leading you. Uh, other ways. Pride. Not getting open about sin. That pride will lead to insecurity. Selfishness. Not serving. Self-reliance. Everything that is just holding you back from leading the ministry to greatness with God. Uh, a lot of us sisters can have the fake it till you make it mentality. You think you're zealous and you come to meetings of the body. And you're like, this is awesome. But the reality is you're struggling spiritually. And you're not getting the help that you need from the brothers or other sisters who are doing well. You girls with me so far? Come on. Come on. All right. Also... 
don't know about you. I've done this many times where someone's like, sis, how you doing? I'm like, I'm fine. I'm, I'm doing good. No, you're not doing good. Get open about your sin. Because you know what happens? Impurity will happen. Yep. Impurity of your actions, of your thoughts, yep. of your opinions. Anger is a form of impurity. Yep. And I allowed my anger to become impure while I was in Paris. And it just, it was too late. Once I repent and I got into it, I'm like, God, just make me repent. And my anger turned to joy. And, and I think it's great that he is going to talk about fasting today because that's what helped me to get close to God as well. But most importantly, if you're not having a close relationship with God, you won't have a zeal that leads to a gentle and quiet spirit. So sisters, I really want to challenge you, if you're struggling with any of these that I mentioned, go to God, get close to Him, and also will lead you to knowledge, which Anthony is going to give some practicals right now. Come on. I want to give you three quick practicals. One, zeal should come from a knowledge of God. Amen. How do you have a knowledge of Him? you got to get to know Him. A deep relationship. We talked about it already. The temptation for you guys right now is to go, I'm going to share with a million people tomorrow. I'm going to baptize a million people. I'm going to be an evangelist women's ministry leader next week. This is going to be amazing. Don't be emotional about it. Yeah. yeah. Be led by the Spirit, not by your emotions. Do a study about God. It'll change your life. Dude, what is his love language? Mm, come on. What does he want from you? That'll change you. Sing to him. Talk to him like he's your friend. It's not like, Father God, you don't have to pray like that every single time. I, I sit in the couch sometimes and I just, God, this is a great day today. Let's talk like friends, like Moses did. Second thing, it starts with faith. Quickly, Second Peter. Come on, Anthony. Quickly, Second Peter. Maybe I'm so like Ron. <laughs> Second Peter 1 verse 3 quickly it says, His divine power has given us everything we need for life, godliness, through the knowledge of Him. For this reason, verse 5, make every effort to add to your faith. It starts with faith. Goodness and to goodness, knowledge. Amen. And to knowledge, self-control, self-control, perseverance, perseverance, godliness, godliness, brotherly kindness, brotherly kindness, love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective. We want to be effective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. It starts with faith. And Romans ten seventeen, we all know, says faith comes from the Bible. So again, it goes back to the first one. Third thing, share your faith. Well, how does that make sense? When you are faking the funk, as we say in America, when you're pretending to be zealous, you're zealous on Sunday, but every other day of the week you don't want to share your faith. Yeah. When I was depressed in Paris, I didn't want to share my faith. Colossians 2.3 says, All the hidden treasures of wisdom and knowledge are in Christ. Philemon 6, I pray that you'll be active in sharing your faith. So that you'll have a full understanding of every good thing you have in Christ. To fully understand Christ, you got to share your faith. You know, in Paris, we turned it around towards the end. And some of the fruit of that is in this room. We have uh, Eileen, we have Joan, we have Sandra, who is now dating Kevin. 
And in a very special way, we, we went back and we took all the things we learned to the South region. We started with 12 people in our campus ministry. We hit 26. We more than doubled. And this week, we will prayerfully have our 27th person. The campus has to lead the way in zeal and knowledge. If we do so, we will win this world for Jesus. I love you very much. Thank you. privilege of speaking to the sisters um, this morning on the title Zeal for Prayer and Fasting. Um, and I have two points really. First one is Zeal for Prayer and the second one is Zeal for Fasting. Um, so um, if you turn with me sisters to 2 Kings chapter 4, 2 Kings chapter 4 starting in verse 1, it says, the wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elijah, your servant my husband is dead. And you know that he revered the Lord. But now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. Elijah replied to her, how can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? Your servant has nothing there at all, she said, except a small jar of olive oil. And I don't know if you um, are familiar with the the story of the, the widow and sisters, but... She comes to Elijah in complete desperation. Like she has no husband and she has no money. And now she's like, the creditors are coming and they're going to take my sons as payment. And so she goes to Elijah and she's like, well, well Elijah asked her, well, what can I do? What do you have? And she says, all I have is a little bit of oil. And Elijah tells her, well, go to all your neighbors. Go back and collect jars and fill these jars with oils. And, I mean, that sounds crazy, right? And she's like, I only have a little bit of oil. But she does it. And so she fills the jars with oils. And she's able to sell those jars to pay the creditors and then some. And um, I became a disciple on January 23rd, 2011. And when I read the story of this widow, I think about, you know, my, the, the person of me becoming a disciple. Because when I saw in the Bible that I was lost, that I wasn't a Christian, I wasn't a disciple... I felt like the creditors, Jesus Christ, was coming back and I needed help. And the same way in which um, the widow was like, she did, it sounded crazy to her, but she went on faith and she did it. I, I studied the Bible, I sought after God with all my heart, denied myself, I was baptized to receive the Holy Spirit and forgive us of sins, and I became a disciple. And then, you know, after one year, two years, I became the Shunammite woman. Well, who is the Shunammite woman? Well, we're going to read about her in the second part. The, the Shunammite woman, unlike the widow who was poor, the Shunammite widow, the Shunammite woman was wealthy. Like the, the widow probably didn't. I mean, she clearly couldn't pay her bills, but the Shunammite woman had enough money to pay her bills and probably her neighbors' bills too. And so Elijah, Elijah passes by her house frequently, and she says, "Well, you know, I have money. Why don't I create this room where he can stay?" And um, Elijah's blown away by this, and he's sitting in that room one day, and he, he speaks to Gehazi, the servant. He's like, well, "What can we do for this woman? She's done all this for us. What can we do for her?" And if we pick up in verse thirteen, Second Kings chapter four, verse thirteen, yeah. it says, "Elijah said to him, this is Gehazi, tell her the Shunammite, you have gone to all this trouble for us. Now, what can be done for you?" Can we speak on your behalf to the king or the commander of the army? She replied, I have a home among my own people. Basically, she's saying here, I'm good. The message version says, um, I'm secure and satisfied with my family. Um, In verse 14, it says, uh, Elijah's like, what can be done for her? Elijah asked. Gehazi said, she has no son and her husband is old. Verse 16. 
Uh, Elijah now goes to the Shunammite and he says, About this time next year, Elijah said, you will hold a son in your arms. No, my lord, she objected. Please, man of God, don't mislead your servant. And, you know, isn't it interesting? Because, like I said at the beginning, these two women are really different. You know, God takes us, or he took me from being that, that widow with nothing, and then he, I, I become the Shunammite. Like, I'm wealthy spiritually. You know, I have the kingdom, I have brothers and sisters, I have awesome conferences. Um, but like the Shunammite, you know, she settled for comfortability. She stopped going to God for that deep desire in our heart. And, and we can do that. We can settle for a comfortable prayer life and stop seeking the deepest desire of our heart. You know, what is that deep desire? You know, for a while, you know, you can think, oh, it's a, it's a boyfriend, it's getting married, and that's awesome. Or you can think, hey, as a student, it's graduating, and that's awesome. Or, you know, it's becoming a Bible talk leader. But the Bible says what a woman desires is unfailing love. So we, our deepest desire is God. And, um, you know, sisters, we really want to ask you, you know, have you settled for a comfortable prayer life? You know, like the Shunammite settled for comfortability. Or are you seeking that deep desire? You know, this morning, did you just pray? Or did you seek God in prayer? You know, just like I was explaining with the message version where it says we're secure. She said, I'm secure and satisfied with my family. Like, we can feel like I found God's church. I found God's people. I found, you know, God's purpose for my life. But Paul, after years and years, he says, I want to know Christ and Christ crucified. So it's like we're still in that process of seeking God, like finding the deep things of God. You know, there's a difference between praying and seeking God in prayer. You know, women who are zealous for prayer are zealous for God. Um, I love the fact that uh, God says about David, like, he was a man after God's own heart. Like, this morning, are you a woman after God's own heart? You know, um, and, and I really believe, you know, if we really allow that to sink in, that can change our prayer lives, like, tomorrow, today. Um, and I, I have a few practicals in seeking after God, changing that, because actually through a lot of mistakes that I made, because I wasn't a woman who was zealous uh, for prayer. And so... Some of the practicals I have is, uh, first is like soak into that prayer. You know, um, there's a, I, I like to call it having a bath prayer instead of a shower prayer. No one has baths anymore, you know, but baths, like, I don't know if you remember, but you kind of chill out, you soak, you have time with God. A shower, you just in and out, you have to do what you have to do. And sometimes that's how we pray, like, God, thank God, got to pray for, got to thank God for the kingdom, which is awesome, thank God for, you know, my disciple, thank God for this, pray for my Bible talk, and then we're out of there, but we don't soak in and really enjoy God. You know, um, the second thing is have an awe for God. Hebrews 10. And, you know, note it down, 19 to 20. It talks about how um, because of the blood of Jesus, we now can enter the most holy place. Like we go behind the curtain. We go through the curtain. Like when I read that, like I meditate on that before I pray because I'm like, it just changes the dynamic. Like it creates this awe when I start to pray to God. I'm like, I can go behind the curtain. Like, that's amazing. Um, and, and the last one is believing in the power of prayer. Like, Mark 9, most of us know the story of the demon-possessed boy and how Jesus, like the disciples, they couldn't drive out that demon. They couldn't heal. And they ask, after Jesus comes and he saves the day, they ask him, why couldn't, why couldn't we do it? And he said, well, that kind only comes out by prayer. And what amazed me to, um, to, when I read that passage was it wasn't the fact that they didn't have the power. You know, because Jesus had given them power to drive out demons and heal the sick. But it's because they didn't pray to harness that power. Prayer gives us um, power. And so lastly, I'm going to talk about zeal for fasting. Very quick. 
Um, in Psalms 42, um, David says, Psalms 42 verses 1 to 3. David says, As the deer pants for the streams of water, my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Where can I go and meet with my God? My tears have been my food day and night. Um, and I remember I was, I was praying through this psalms because it's a good thing to do to pray psalms. And as I got to that sen- uh, the, the verse where it says, my tears have been my food day and night, I felt the Spirit convict me and be like, no, that's not true, Kia. Like, you're praying that to God, but that's not true. And fasting has always kind of been a bit of a tricky thing for me. I haven't really always understood the heart behind it. And so I decided to go on a fast just to fast. No reason. Like, you know, sometimes we fast and we have like eight reasons why we're fasting. I was like, no, I'm just going to fast. And would you believe, uh, you know, three hours into the fast, I was hungry. Six hours into the fast, I was really hungry. And then, you know, like I did six to six. So, you know, like at five o'clock, I was like, my stomach was like beatboxing. Like I was just like, I was desperate. But then I remember the Psalms and I was like, well, after three hours, six hours, 12 hours without spiritual food, is my spirit hungry? Like, am I in touch with my spirit? You know, um, because what I noticed is, in myself, and I wonder if the same for you, sisters, like, we can feed the flesh more than we feed the spirit. We're so used to feeding the flesh. And so that's where you just really want to ask yourself, do you have a greater, does, which appetite is greater? You know, your flesh's appetite or your spirit's appetite? Because fasting trains us to starve the flesh and feed the spirit. So um, I just really want to encourage you, take a fast to starve the flesh and really practice feeding the spirit. <laughs> I'm a sinner saved by grace. I'm so grateful to be here. Thank you so much for allowing me to be here. I'm so grateful for Michael and Michelle, my spiritual fathers. Thank you so much for keep being here. Of course, thank you so much for campus. The world is full of visionaries. But only the zealous visionary will change this world in our generation. Are you a world changer? Are you your campus changer? Are you the most zealous, visionary person in your city. If not, you have to become one. And you will become one. But as visionary, you will face opposition. You will face obstacles. People hate dreamers. People hate zealous visionaries. They even kill zealous visionaries. And they kill their dreams. Why? Because a zealous visionary is doing what others are afraid to do. He is doing what the others supposed to be doing. Of course, you probably all know J.K. Rowling. She wrote the Harry Potter books. And she wrote the best-selling book series in entire history. But it's really interesting. The book was rejected by so many publishers. However, she was a zealous visionary. And then what happened, actually, the only reason it got published at all was because the CEO's eight-year daughter begged him to publish it. And then, of course, all of you know Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan, the greatest basketball basketball player of all time. He says, I have missed more than 9,000 shots in my career. I have lost almost 300 games. On 26 occasions, I have been entrusted to take the game-winning shot, and I missed. I have failed over and over again in my life. And that is why I succeeded. Why did he succeed? Michael Jordan was was a zealous visionary. Someone else, Thomas Edison. Because of Thomas Edison, today we have lied. Thomas Edison, actually his teacher didn't believe in him at all. The teacher said, you are too stupid. You can do anything. You, you, You will never achieve anything. However, he says, I have not failed. I've just found 10,000 ways that do not work. 
Thomas Edison was a zealous visionary. Ludwig van Beethoven, the most influential famous composer. Again here the teacher didn't believe in him. The teacher said, um, you stupid again. Like to Ludwig van Beethoven. And then the teachers didn't see any hope in him. However, his dad believed in him. He gave him private lesson, and we know he became the greatest composer of all time. My topic is zealous vision. Yes. And of course, even if you go in the Bible, the Bible is full of zealous visionaries. The first one, Genesis 1.1. Who is it? It's God himself. The Bible says, the earth is dark and empty. It's darkness. It's emptiness. Nothing is there. What is God doing? He's creating something amazing. He's creating you. He's creating me. He's creating the earth, the planets, the stars. God is a zealous visionary. But, but he had to overcome something. Darkness and emptiness. But he is a zealous visionary. Next one. Genesis 28, 13-14. Jacob. Jacob, God says to him, gives him the dream of world evangelism. He says to him, you, your descendants will be countless. But here, he has to face some obstacles. First of all, his brother Esau is running uh, behind him. He wants to kill him. Then, he even does have, doesn't have a wife. But God says, you descendants will be countless. Obstacles. But he was a zealous visionary. Joseph, my favorite character in the entire Bible. Genesis 47.9. Or actually, the entire story in Genesis 47. He was a man, like you and I. He was a young man. He was 17. Joseph had a dream. He had a vision. His brothers were against him. His brothers wanted to kill him. Then he went to Egypt as a slave. He did something righteous. But then he has to go to jail. Joseph, he never lost his dream. He never lost his dream because he was a zealous visionary. What happens then? There's a famine in Israel. People are dying. Disciples are dying. But because of Joseph, they saved. Because of Joseph, we have Moses and even Jesus Christ. Because Joseph, it, yeah, yes, Joseph was a zealous visionary. And even if we go in the New Testament, Ananias. You maybe ask, why Ananias? Yeah. Ananias was such a visionary. Why? God said to him, go and save this guy. Who is the guy? Saul. Who is Saul? Saul is a Christian killer. He is killing Christians. What is Ananias doing? Ananias could run away. I would probably run away. But Ananias, he believed in world evangelism. He overcame his fear. But his obstacle was, was to go and share your faith with someone who might kill you. Overcome obstacles and fear to become a zealous visionary. Let's go to the scripture, Mark 5. And my favorite zealous visionary is, of course, let's focus on him here. Mark 5, verse 1 to 5. It says here, They went across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an impure spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs, and no one could bend him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been chained hand and foot. But he tore the chains apart and broke it, the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills he would cry out and cut himself with stones. Here we see a man, it's super difficult to have a vision for him. It's super difficult to believe in him. What is Jesus doing? Jesus does believe in him. This man, it says here, um, he was cutting himself with stones. He was uh, living in a cave. And uh, they even, the people of the city were so afraid of him, they put chains on him. They didn't want to be around him. What is he doing? He's so strong, he's breaking the chains. People were afraid of him. What is Jesus doing? Jesus is a zealous visionary because he believed in him. Let's jump to verse 20. In verse 20 it says, So the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis. Decapolis is a Greek word and it means ten cities. So basically here it says, he went to the ten cities. How much Jesus had done for him. 
So basically, so the man went away and began to tell in the ten cities how much Jesus had done for him. And all the people were amazed. This man became an evangelist. He went to ten cities and started to evangelize. Why? Because there was someone, Jesus Christ, who believed in him. There was a zealous visionary with him, who believed in him. However, I would say there is no zeal without fear. There is no zeal without fear. You are not a zealous visionary. If your vision does not make you fear, afraid, your vision has to scare you. In my childhood, um, from, from little, like when I was little, I always wanted to become a missionary. I always wanted to become a preacher. I remember um, some children told, I was going to church every Sunday, and I was maybe six, seven, and some, some children, my friends, they asked me, why do you go to church? I said to him, what? You don't go to church. God exists. Look at this. Of course God exists. I already preached to them when I was six and seven. My dream was always to be a preacher. This was my dream. And then, of course, uh, a lot of you know, last year I got an amazing job. God gave me an amazing job. Some months I received 10,000 pounds. Some months. A check of 10,000 pounds. I had a company laptop, a mobile phone. I could make calls to any country and I wouldn't have to pay. Uh, they paid me going to the United States, paying a five-star hotel, everything. I was meeting people from Europol, Barclays, Gazprom, the Russian Secret Service. However, the people who I worked with, they earned the same money, even more than I did. And what did they do with the money? They spent it on wickedness. I never lost my dream. My dream was always, because I'm a zealous visionary, my dream was always to work for God full time. So I took the money, I put it in my savings account to hire myself. And to be in the ministry. Jesus Christ died for myself. I mean, he died for myself and he died for you full time. So let's work for him full time. And also the amazing thing is, uh, a couple days ago, uh, Heathrow, on Wednesday, we greeted some people there. And so basically I'm walking with some people, some disciples who were with me. And it was amazing, like someone is calling my name. Yuri, Yuri. I was, okay, who's calling my name? Is it the spirit? No, it was not the spirit. <laughs> it was uh, my former manager. Wow. He was at Heathrow. And so he looked me in the eyes and said, are you happy? I said to him, yes, I'm happy. And so then we... Um, Walked away. I was really happy that there were also two disciples with me. I introduced the disciples to him. Um, however, next day he sent me an email. He sent me an email and he says, I'm so happy that you do something which makes you happy. However, I would like to see you again. <laughs> but also, um, the last conversation with my boss, I remember it. I went to his office. He knew I'm leaving. And he looked me straight in the eyes. He said, uh, if the God thing will not work out, <laughs> then you can come back. I looked him in the eyes. I said, God will always work out. I will still get in touch. I hope uh, he will come out to church one day and I believe he will. Uh, now, I come to my challenges for you. I have three challenges and very quick. The first challenge is embrace your calling. Some of you are here, you are Bible talk leaders. Some of you here, you campus leaders. Some of you here, you evangelists. You women's ministry leaders. Remember, Jesus died for you full-time. So work for Him full-time. Give to Him to glory. Give your talents to Him. And if you're afraid right now, that's awesome. You know why? Because there is no zeal without fear. It show, if you're afraid right now, it shows that you are a zealous visionary. Because a zealous visionary, he's afraid 
of his dreams because they make him fear. My second challenge is for you. Have a zealous vision for the person you disciple. All the four guys I disciple, I believe in him. I don't care how they do, what they do, what they say. I believe in all of them. Yes, some of them are prideful. I'm prideful. I'm prideful. I believe in all of them. I believe in all my guys. And the last challenge is, have a zealous vision for the person you study with. Everyone I study with, I have a vision for this person. I see in the person the hope. They see for an entire nation. Right now I study with a guy, his name is Tim Lee, he's from China. He has two degrees in his pocket. He's going for his first, first degree, which is theology. He's coming tomorrow here to church. My goal is, I see him in hope. A seat for all the nations, for entire China. Yes. How do we change this world? By being zealous visionaries. Amen. Let's change this world for God's glory. The brothers and sisters did an awesome job. Amen, guys? Let's look at one more scripture. Let's look at Titus. Come on, brother. All right, come on, babe. Titus chapter 2 has a principle that I think we need to embrace as students. Spirit says in verse 9, Teach slaves to be subject to their masters in everything. Well, now, we understand that, obviously, as disciples, we're going to free slaves. Amen? Amen? But I think the principle works well. Slave, student, master, professor. Yep. Amen? Teach slaves to be subject to their masters in everything. To try to please them, not to talk back to them. And not to steal from them, but to show that they could be fully trusted. So that in every way, they will make the teachings about God, our Savior, attractive. Amen. You know, we had a great upward call right at the beginning there with Charles. Yep. I mean, first in his class, that's, yeah. that's cranky. Yep. You may not be able to be first in your class. Particularly if Charles is in your class. <laughs> but you still can strive to do your best so that your academics make your life attractive. Flunking out of school, not completing what you've started, does not make your life attractive. Doing less than your best does not make your life attractive. Now, quite different than our visionary brother, Yuri, who had a vision to be a preacher at six years old. I, I certainly didn't. <laughs> uh, I went to school, and I was blessed to be in the high honors chemistry program at the University of Florida. That's a pre-med student. And I became a Christian at the end of my first year of college at 17. Um, at that time, I just figured the Lord needed some more Christian doctors. Time went on. About a year later, my brother got cancer, my younger brother. And it really made me do a lot of thinking about what I wanted to apply my life to be all about. Now, at that same time, I was starting to receive heavy persecution in my fraternity. Now, fraternities in the States, I don't think you quite have parallels right here. But fraternities are very close-knit groups of guys that rally around a certain cause. And 
You're in the same house together, and you value those friendships. Because of having a Bible study in my fraternity house, and seeing eight guys baptized that year, there was a huge backlash. And there was a call for me to be kicked out of the fraternity. Long story short, I made my stand in front of the the president, the vice president, the pledge trainer. And uh, the Lord Lord allowed me to stay. Two weeks later, I was elected tribune of the fraternity. Why? Because they respected my life and they respected my grades. Come on, bro. You've got to have a life that's attractive. It's not being first for the sake of first. It's not being best for the sake of best. It's not even doing your best for the sake of doing your best. It's doing your best to please the Lord. For what purpose is that? To make your life attractive. Many of you, I think, can relate to Kia and certainly to some of the very humble things that Anthony and Cassidy shared. And as college students or people that are ministers on the college campus, this is a huge opportunity. Some of the universities that you go to are some of the best in the world. And we need to understand that while we're on the campus, we've got to have an impact. I mean, sad to say, I'm not 100% sure. But of the three classes, this may be the smallest one. And yet, this is the class where leadership ultimately will come from or not come from. Now, every disciple is called to be mature. So therefore, every disciple is called to be a leader. Amen? Not all disciples are called to be full-time, but every disciple is called to be a leader. But there are some that are called to be full-time. If indeed you and those that are discipling you see that you have talents beyond most, then absolutely the call is for you to go into the full-time ministry. You may not have thought it. You may be just like me. When I was baptized, I had no thoughts of a full-time ministry. But as I saw the impact that even I had on the students around me, I go, wow, this is incredible. This is how I want to spend my life. At the end of the day, we need to understand the other incredible thing about campuses collectively in any one city, particularly a city like London. I am quite confident that almost every nation in the world is represented in your campuses. There are 196 nations in the world. If you ask mainline China, they'll tell you 195 because they don't count Taiwan. (laughs) But I'd be willing to lay money on the table. There are students from all nations in this city. When you capture the heart and the imagination and the soul of a young person in their formative years... The people that come from these nations are the best of the best 
of the best. They may not be in some ways impressive by their speech because they're speaking in their fourth language. (laughs) Let me tell you something. In their home country, these people are beyond anything you could even imagine. You need to understand that our efforts on campus are indeed the key to unlocking all the nations of the world. Many, many places, I mean, even in places like Australia, we've had difficulty getting in. The only reason we got into Australia is because Carrie Willis was converted as a college student. And she is Australian. Joe, her husband, is, is English. And they would not give him just being English an easy visa into Australia. You gotta be Australian. And Australia is a lot simpler to get into than many other nations. So we need to understand the value of campus ministry. Yes, it provides us leadership, but it provides us leadership to get into all the nations of the world. You know, I don't know what date Michael's picked out for next year's EMC. But I really want to give a collective challenge to all of us. Yes. At next year's EMC, let's be the biggest group. Yes. Let's, let's, let's be the group that, that brings scores of new brothers and sisters who are going to be great leaders here Amen. in the UK and in Europe Amen. that are going to be leaders in literally all the nations of the world. And I pray that you will look at your own life and consider the gifts that God has given you. And know that for sure he's called you into leadership. And just quite frankly, has he called you into full-time leadership? I hope that you will consider these scriptures. I hope that you'll go out of here with a zeal based on knowledge. That your life is going to be one that's attractive. To Christ. Amen? Amen. I think Jamal's going to come right now, lead us in a closing song. Let's stand, let's bridge the aisles, and let's sing out. Walk on, walk on. Walk on, walk on. in the light of Dixie home. Say, walk on, walk on. Sitting at home all alone. I didn't know where my life had gone. Then a disciple came to me and asked me what I want to be. I told him, Rich and famous dude. I didn't know what I want to do. Say, brother, brother, haven't you heard? Life is preaching the word. So walk on, walk on. Walk in the light that takes you home. Say walk on, walk on. Walk in the light that takes you home. You gotta live the righteous way. So you can go and earn your dime. But not before your quiet time. You gotta seek and save the lost. And share your faith at every cause. Spread the word every day. That 
Jesus washed your sins away. Jesus washed your sins away. So walk on, walk on. Walk on, walk on. Walk in the light of the Walk in the light of the home. Walk in the light of the home. Walk in the light of the Walk in the light of the Walk in the light of the Walk in the light of the
we would like to thank you for listening to that episode of the podcast if you would like video versions of these episodes whether it's sermon highlights or interviews feel free to check us out on our website or view them on our youtube channel that's londonchurch.org.uk that's l-o-n-d-o-n-c-h-u-r-c-h.org.uk and for all other updates and information whether it's services events or devotionals you can find all that on our website also once again we'd like to thank you for listening and we'll catch you on the next one